This is Novel Marketing. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr. And I'm Tom Umstadt CPA. I'm James L. Rubart. And this is the show for novelists who hate taxes but still want to become best-selling authors. In this episode, we're going to be talking about how to stay out of jail (laughs) when it comes to your taxes. Because there are a lot of tax advantages that you can take when you're an author. Some you might not know about and some you might be abusing. So we're going to get into that a little bit in this episode. So stay tuned or you may go to jail. How about that for a hook at the beginning of the show? I'm actually really excited to introduce uh, today's guest. We roped in a CPA who's been working with authors and celebrities for over 30 years. And uh, this is a guy who charges a lot by the hour, but he cut us a special deal because I pulled the I'm your son card. (laughs) So this uh, CPA is my dad, Tom Umstadt Sr., uh, for whom uh, the reason why my junior is at the end of my name is because of this guy right here. And he knows he's forgotten more about taxes than I will ever know. (laughs) And so we're very excited to uh, have you on the show to pick your brain today. So welcome. Well, thank you for having me on, Thomas. So uh, to kick things off, I guess we should just ask, uh, does being an author help you save money on taxes? Well, when you make a lot of money, that gives you a lot of taxable income and will increase your income taxes. But there's these funny little things that are very wonderful that we CPAs love to delve into, which are called deductions. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) And so if you're running a business, you can save a lot of money on... Uh, the on, on your bottom line on your taxable income by getting the, and taking the deductions that are afforded to us by the tax code. Okay, so I know a lot of authors are essentially running a business, and because they're running a business, they're able to take tax deductions. So does that mean that just because I'm working in Microsoft Word, I suddenly trigger all of these tax deductions, or is there more to it than that? Just because you're working on Microsoft Word? Yeah, I'm a writer. You know, oh, I'm writing oh, on I Microsoft get you, Word. I get you. <laughs> well, it depends on whether or not you are engaged in this activity for the purpose of making a profit, that you're actually running a business and not just having a hobby. So if it's a hobby, I don't get deductions. I don't qualify for deductions. But if it's a business, I do qualify for deductions, even if I'm losing money. Almost. Okay. <laughs> the second one was right. If you have a business, you can take your deductions even if you lose money. If it's a hobby, you can only take deductions up to the amount of income that, or gross income that you made. Okay. So uh, I know this is complicated and we don't have a lot of time, but what are some quick ways to kind of give, you, give our listeners an idea whether or not their writing is a business or a hobby? Is it like once they make a million dollars, it's a business or is it less well, than that? Well, let's hope not because <laughs> there's not too many people who fit in that million dollar category. But there is a, a nine factor test that we uh, recorded on a separate uh, uh, what's these? What are these things? Webinar. Webinars. Yeah, yeah. that uh, that I suppose you can have available, or is it seven tips? I, I can't remember what we which number we picked, but there are a lot of different things that, that traps to avoid and and uh, postures to employ. Ooh, I like that. Traps to avoid and postures to avoid. No <laughs> postures. To take. So, so what are some of those traps we want to avoid? Well, uh, getting overzealous. With um, with with deductions and and things, if if you're running the, trying to write this book and it's taken you 15 or 20 years and you're running losses year after year after year, and you never have made any top of the line income, no gross income, 
that really looks kind of fishy. And maybe a few years it, it's to be expected, and and it's not really unusual. Uh, but if it's taking you forever and you're not going anywhere, then it might look more like a hobby. Like there's a Supreme Court justice once uh, said that. Uh, I know you're calling this a frog, but it looks like a duck, and it quacks like a duck, and it flies like a duck, and it swims like a duck. But somehow, I kind of think that it's a duck. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the bottom line is that they need to have some money on the top line. So, what that means is that it's important to be making some money as an author, even if it's not a lot of money. Uh, yes, but not absolutely necessary. Okay. So if somebody's showing, I am, I am submitting. I am trying. I'm, I'm taking courses. I'm trying to. Uh, I am absolutely trying to make this career happen, and they can show that, even though I haven't made any money at it. I can probably take some of those things as deductions for the first few years. Perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. Okay. <laughs> Let me ask you. A lot of a lot of writers will have a, they'll have a writing room where they have dedicated this room, this small room. Everything that goes on there, that is about their writing. Mm -hmm. Is that something where they can say, I'm going to take that off my taxes because that room, that space, that's part of my writing career. Sounds like a home office, doesn't it? It does. Yes. And there are, to make a home office, I don't know how much details we want to go into that, but the, the big word is exclusive use. So I can't use it as a home office half the time and then use it to, you know, sequester my pets or my children the other half the time. It's right. got to be... Make sure there are no toys in there when the IRS auditor comes by, for example. <laughs> <laughs> Not that that's been a problem for anyone in the past. What about things for people... Because writers typically will spend money on writing conferences. They'll spend money on writing books. They'll go to workshops. They'll buy a laptop. So are those things possibly deductible even though they're not necessarily making money yet on this and that those do sound like deductions jim okay <laughs> so the easiest way i've heard and correct me if i'm wrong to keep track of deductions is to have a separate bank account for your writing related expenses and your writing related income so a lot of uh, traditionally published authors will get a big advance so they will do some work they'll put together a book proposal and then they sign with a publishing company and then thud a bunch of money comes into an account and that may be all the money they make for a year or two years and it helps if that money goes into a separate account and all of their um, business-related transactions come out of that account. So it's very easy for their CPA or for themselves going through TurboTax or whatever they use at the end of the year to figure out you know, what was tax deductible and what's not tax deductible. Is that a good way to do it? Yes, I can tell you've been to business school and <laughs> you have been running a few businesses. And, and uh, the separate bank account is good business practice. It is not... if. It's not legally necessary if you are just a sole proprietor. And I will say uh, that it may not be necessary, but it sure saves a lot of hassle. And I know that a lot of authors uh, don't want to take uh, a lot of hassle when it comes to uh, their taxes. So keeping those things separate is really important. It is. So some suggestions, I know a lot of authors are like, oh, there's no way to make a little bit of money because you want to start showing some income sooner rather than later. But that's not actually true. There's a lot of fun ways to make supplementary income as an author. 
Uh, one is to work as a consultant for other authors. So an author friend hires you uh, to do some work, help them with their book, or even better to edit their book. I know a lot of authors will do editing on the side, and that's a way to have money coming in to that account with uh, writing-related activities. And it's also a way to be faithful in the little things. Another way to do this is through writing short stories, which I'm a big fan of. A lot of my favorite authors started in short story world and then finally came and wrote full books. And so you're like, oh, it's so much hassle to make $50 for this short story I have to submit. And they're like, well, there's more benefits than just the $50. Suddenly it gives you the choir oz and for turns of the IRS, like, now your business. <laughs> it's like, yes. <laughs> so um, what are some other deductions that authors can take? Well, I think uh, Jim, or you go by James. I called you Jim earlier, and I noticed you introduced yourself as James, but we'll go with Jim if that. No, what uh, do we let's do? Let's go with Jim. I like, <laughs> that. I, I, I like confusing people. Yeah. See, see branding episode number 39 <laughs> yeah. on the problems of having multiple names. Multiple names. <laughs> yeah, it's like Tom and Thomas, right? Okay, so, so with the things you mentioned your laptop, uh, workshops, seminars, uh, right, buying books having a word on your computer, having a computer to put word on or some other type of uh, word processing uh, software. Uh, there are, there's travel. Sometimes you need to go places, uh, mileage on your cars. And in that, you know, mileage on a car that I don't off the top of my head, it, I think it's probably 54, 55 cents per mile that you can deduct if you were going to a writing seminar or something like that, that that kind of thing can add up. Yeah, it is a little bit more than that. Is it? Um, not much, though, okay. yes. Mm -hmm. And that changes every year. It does, yeah. every year. And so Sometimes twice a year. Because we just love making things complicated. <laughs> yes, we do, don't we? For those of you living in another country, um, there's this joy called the IRS that you're missing out on. <laughs> Yeah. So um, we, uh, a lot of authors are terrified of being audited. In fact, they're so afraid of being audited, they don't end up taking any of the tax deductions that they could take. Right. So what are some simple steps? Uh, I'm an author. I want to start taking advantage of some of these tax, uh, tax deductions. What are some simple things that I can do to reduce my likelihood of getting audited? Well, uh, I, you, you were talking about them not taking deductions. I, Someone that would come across like that, I would think they might be afraid, afraid of the IRS or afraid that, that the IRS might get mad at them for doing something. And it's like that Men in Black movie where they the two guys were going to this lady's house and, and her husband's skin had been stolen by the aliens. And they said, hey, I'm so-and-so from the FBI. And, uh, and they, she said, you come to laugh at me? He said, no, ma'am. We, we at the FBI have no uh, no sense of humor, at least none that we're aware of. And, and that's the way the IRS is. They have no sense of humor and at least none that they're aware of. <laughs> I've tried jokes on them a lot, and they just don't get them. And so... They, so they they don't have a sense of humor and they don't have anger or anything. They're just they're just people trying to to get stuff off their desk and get their jobs done. And so, um, if you just abide by the laws and do what's right, do your due diligence. Um, you have there's expenses in any kind of business venture that you have to pay for. So if you paid for it. Is, is a good chance that it might be deductible somehow. And, you know, there are leg very legitimate companies that went years without turning a profit. You know, Amazon right. for, you know, a decade. Oh, they're they're definitely a hobby, wouldn't you say? <laughs> <laughs> so I remember uh, 
I think it was in 2000, 2001, they had a profitable month where the month itself was profitable. And Jeff Bezos has a press conference where he publicly apologizes for the sh- to the shareholders for not growing fast enough. And he's like, we shouldn't have had this profitable month. We should have been growing fast. And I was like, <laughs> who does that? <laughs> and so the, what the IRS is looking at is a more complex set of factors than just are you profitable. What I, what right. I see at a lot of writers' conferences, a literary agent will get up and give a lot of tax advice. And like, you have to make at least $500. Or they're giving these kind of overly simplified rules when in reality, um, the IRS is looking at it in a much more complex way. Right. There, that sounds like a real black and white thinker. And, and our, our tax laws are based on rational thought. If we can rationalize what we do and it's ordinary, necessary, and um, it's just normal, then you'd expect to have expenses in a business. So one way to help rationalize that, I imagine, would be to put together a business plan. That's a very good idea. So you can say, I'm doing a business plan for my writing business. I'm planning on losing money for the first four years while I'm preparing the manuscript and doing research and getting my skills up and going to conferences. And in year five, I plan to sell my first manuscript. And so if, if your business plan calls for you to lose money in the first four years and you're audited, you can sit down and be like, well, you know, Writing's really hard. And and I can imagine being like, yeah, you know, a lot of people have tried to write and they're like it doesn't work. And so, you know, the business plan doesn't call for me to make a profit yet. And if you can show that you're making progress and you're like, look, you know, I went to this conference and I was really bad and I did these things and I got better. Here's the, you know, you're show, showing progress. That's the sort of thing that they're looking for. Is that right? Right. Yeah. A business plan is very important. And it's not that we plan to fail, even though you had those five years or whatever, four years of failing or just not making money. So many times we just fail to plan. So the old axiom, we don't plan to fail, we fail to plan. So planning is very important. And, and it also goes uh, a long way in helping you define what you're doing and why you're doing it. And if you need to show it to somebody, like the IRS, for example, it, it, it makes a big difference. Now, I've heard, going back to the uh, reducing your likelihood of being audited, I've heard that hiring a CPA reduces your chance of being audited. Is that true? Well, I, you know, that sounds like a self-serving question. <laughs> should people hire someone like you? Uh, I guess they should, shouldn't they? <laughs> no, but I mean, it makes sense. I, the way I kind of see it is that the IRS are kind of like bandits. You know, they're looking for the, um, you know, wagons going through the forest like Sherwood Forest, you know, that don't have the guards around them, right? And the ones with the guards, mm-hmm. they're a little bit more hesitant about attacking. And so if you're doing things like making lots of mistakes on your return or filing it at the last minute or not hiring guards, they're more likely to go after you than if you're kind of dotting all of your I's, crossing all of your T's, and then hiring somebody to double check. Yeah, we had three criteria there. Um Making mistakes, filing it late, those two things definitely cause for audits. Um, hiring a CPA, I've, in my practice, I have seen less returns audited by that were prepared by CPAs than that are not as far as the, the complexity. And, and usually uh, CPAs do rather complex and complicated returns, whereas non-CPAs are usually easy returns. But strangely enough, it's amazing the, the mistakes that I've seen on these uh, non-CPA prepared returns, and many of those don't get audited. So now uh, one question a lot of folks have, because a lot of authors, their number one expense is going to writers' conferences. So can I deduct all of the expenses, including the hotel and the flight and the food? So if I'm eating 
let's say I have a conference and it's in Detroit. Um, if I buy food while I'm in Detroit, is that food tax deductible as well as the conference cost itself? Well, we have a few assumptions there. First of all, we're assuming that we have a real business going on in, in the writing business. And then, uh, and secondly, that you didn't like bring a whole lot of friends and do a whole lot of non-business things while you're there. And, and you know, like you spent most of your time watching uh, the Detroit uh, Lions get beat up by whoever they're playing or whatever it is you're doing there. <laughs> Not that I'm a Dallas fan or anything, but you know, that's too bad about them last week. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but you know, so there there are things that you might be doing that are personal and things you might be doing that are not and if you can if most of what you're doing on a trip like that is a business trip with business intent and then then it would very likely be a business trip and all those things you mentioned would be deductible the um, meals would be uh only 50 percent deductible but everything else that you mentioned sounds like it would be 100% deductible. Okay, but what if I have friends at the conference? Like, I'm going there for work, mm-hmm. but some of the people at the conference I don't hate. Is it still right. tax deductible? Yeah, it, you know, to just kind of turn it around and say, well, we're not allowed to enjoy our work, you know? That's ridiculous, right? And of course we're enjoying it. I'm enjoying this little webinar, whatever we call this thing. Podcast. We're doing. Podcast, <laughs> yeah. I'm enjoying doing this with these two fine gentlemen here. But it, so does that mean that uh, this isn't business for me? No, no, I enjoy my work, you know? It's, so it's okay to enjoy your work and still take the tax, tax deduction too. Right. As long as it's actual work and not a hobby. Exactly. Very good. Well, we hope, uh, I know in, there's only so much in taxes you can cover in 15 minutes. We could go on uh, forever. In fact, we have. <laughs> so Actually, I get paid by the hour, Thomas. I can talk for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> so um, we sat down uh, last year and we put together a course. It was uh, seven tax-saving tips that the IRS doesn't want you to know about. And it's been, it was our most popular course. I don't know if you, if you know that. But uh, wow. people have, have really enjoyed this because it's uh, we what we did was we started off as a webinar. We took 100 questions uh, from people, hundreds of questions from all kinds of folks who are coming and we answered them of authors just like you. So it's your chance to kind of ask uh, the expert in terms of tax questions. So if, if any of y'all are curious, you can check that out at authormedia.com slash tax tips. And I guess the main thing we want you to walk away with is there are probably some of you out there that have not been taking these deductions probably for years. And it's totally legitimate for you to do that. Um, so I would just encourage you to do some research Uh, talk to a guy like Tom, find out what you can legitimately take because it will help when you come to tax season. There's a quote to quote my dad in front of my dad. He says, render unto Caesar only that which is Caesar's. (laughs) That's a misquoted scripture. (laughs) But it it is my quote. Yeah, it's the only part that isn't in the original scripture. But yes. So we would love uh, to hear from you. Uh, If you have any questions, whether it's a marketing question or a tax question, feel free to leave us a comment at novelmarketing.com. And as always, please leave us a review on iTunes. This has been the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. And how to save taxes. Yes. (laughs)